underbelly of sanity. Your whistleblowing shrinks, Dr. Terrellin and therapist Jen, will take you on a roller coaster ride through the twisted corridors of the mind to deep throat the truth. Buckle up, because this is the gaslit truth, where the sacred oath to spill it all meets a fearless descent into the chaos within. Brace yourself for a mind-bending journey that explores the shadows of truth, leaving no stone unturned, no secret safe. Welcome back to another episode of The Gaslit Truth. I am Dr. Tara Lynn here with my fun, funky co-host, therapist Jen. Hi. Hi, girl. Hi. Hi, girl. I'm here. I'm here. Yes. Yes. And before we get started, I just want to remind all of our listeners to feel free to like, follow, subscribe, share, comment, mm -hmm. do all the things. Feel free to also send us an email if you'd like at the Gaslit Truth Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear yes. from you. Yes, we now, do. Yes, we do. So we are going to be talking about some things that might be kind of triggering, um, but kind of that's the whole point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you might. Yeah, it might have some feels on this one. You um, might. And that's okay. You might. <laughs> and, right. It. And and that's okay. So because I think we need to have more balanced conversations. So that's what we're, what we're going to bring today. Right. So today's episode is. Oh, this is. <laughs> crazy. I wish I could do that. I can't do that. You can't roll your me. tongue. I cannot. It's <laughs> not a skill. <laughs> That is a skill that I do not have. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, our... I've had to adapt those tongue skills because of the things oh, that have happened to me from my meds. Wow. Whoa. We're, well, apparently, we are going to get to it right away. So yeah, we are. are antidepressants ruining your relationship? That is the topic of today. Mm -hmm. Are you being chemically castrated, which is then ruining your relationship? So these are hot topics. They are. They are. Mm -hmm. They're very hot topics because uh, it's, again, this is one of those polarizing conversations. And I thought maybe we should start with our own stories. Um, yeah. Personal. We'll go personal and then we'll get a little into some of the science and see where this decides to take us. So. <laughs> And we're recording this kind of late, so you know. Yeah, like, yeah, we are. It's yeah. it's the day has already come and gone, and we're still trying to get that last little bit together. Um, yes. which I think for us this won't be that difficult because this this one hits the feels. This is personal too for us as well, right? So we have some of our vested truth in this um, more than than some of the other things because we've lived this, right? Yes, we and it's so interesting because our stories even on antidepressants are very similar, which yeah. is actually extremely validating for me because it makes you know that you're not the only one that could possibly have had these experiences. Right. And so I really love that that our experience is so shared when it comes to um our antidepressant use and that journey and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So thanks yeah. for your vulnerability. Wow. Mm -hmm. You get so you want to share you want to share first you want me to share first where do we go with this? Sure. I mean, if you want me to share, I certainly will. I, I'd like you to. Okay. So the so oddly, I'm going to say the first time at antidepressants because the first time is the only time I've actually taken them. Um I was I've been I've been repeatedly offered to take them throughout the course of my life. You have. But I have like three times. Yes. And I'm like, God dang, what do you guys see in me? You're like this depressed love. Are you a you moving part? Are you like a easy moving target in I some think, ways, right? You know like, what I think it is? I think it's like when you go there and you ask certain things and they don't know what to do for you. So then they're like, well, you must be a psychiatric patient or something. Um, yeah. But but the first thing that happened to me, I didn't even go in saying I was depressed or fatigued or drawn down or anything, I was pregnant. I was in my third trimester of pregnancy and mm -hmm. I had disclosed to my OB that my first pregnancy after, after my daughter was born, that I had experienced some pretty significant postpartum depression. And I was, I was a little scared because at this point, you know, your second kid, you know yeah. what to expect, right? Like, you know, right. that you're not going to sleep, you know, you know, all of those things. And mm -hmm. so I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk to her about it, whatever, thinking that maybe there'd be some strategies or, or something. And um, so I was at this point, I'm trying to put some time frame in here. I think I was 32, okay, um, maybe 31, something like that in early thirties um, when I was pregnant the second time. And so she said as a preventative, a preventative, 
you should take sertraline, which is Zoloft, you know, SSRI. And I was like, okay, so this is, again, long before any of the stuff that I know now, you know, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> I would never do it again. I would never do it for, for many reasons. Um, so anyway, so I walked out of there going, okay, I'm going to take this and it's going to prevent postpartum depression. And now I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my <laughs> life. You're going to prescribe somebody who's not even depressed an antidepressant to change my brain chemistry in advance of getting depressed. Like it, make it make sense. Like to, to me, it doesn't looking back, like that does not make any sense to me. At so, all. you know, okay. Do you remember when, when you went, when you went in, do you remember like the details of the conversation all in terms of what you had expressed to her or your OB, her, him, I don't know what you had, that you were her. actually her. Okay. That you were worried about or that you were concerned about? Like, okay. So to be real, open and honest about this, and I have shared this and the crazy thing about me sharing my postpartum actual depression story of my daughter is that I get tremendous backlash from people for even sharing it because it is horrible. Like when I had postpartum depression with my daughter, it got so bad that I was hiding sharp items yeah. um, sure. at night. I would put knives away, scissors away, anything that I felt like was sharp, I would put it away. Yeah. Um, I I never actively acted on any of that. It was just like this really weird fear that I, I would, you know, mm-hmm. right. my husband knew, like I had disclosed this, like people knew around me. Um, but so when I disclose that now it's crazy, like, uh, cause I've said it on TikTok a few times and then the trolls will come out. They should take your children away. I'm like, um, ma'am, my children are almost 30. It's fine. Everybody's they're, they're alive. Like, <laughs> they're alive. They're away. Exactly. They're gone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you talk about it and you get that kind of backlash, people don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. So right. that was very scary. It was a very scary time for me. And I now know that I was also extremely sleep deprived. Um, and I was a scared new mom. And back then, this was 1995, there weren't supports that, and there wasn't cool apps and there weren't groups on Facebook to get support. Like it was just you. And I didn't have family close by except for my husband. So it was just the two of us, yeah. you know, for this whole yeah. thing. So I think the the conversation started with me going into that third trimester and freaking myself out. Right. all over okay. again. And that's really where it came from because I, you know, you get, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, I know this. Right. Um, And I know how this song goes and I don't want it to go that way again. So, you know. So it's like using it as a preventative, mm-hmm. right? A- assuming that things will go the way they did previously, the right? The first time around. So, yeah. so this, this kind of goes back to something we've talked about too, like as if nothing in the trajectory of all those years that went would by change. would mm-hmm. change, right? So, yeah. so these discussions that, that aren't had with us, right? As patients, right? Of, you know, tell me about your lifestyle now. Tell right. me about things that are, that are different. You know, you, you've got one at home now, you know, how old is, you know, how old is that child? Tell me about the mm-hmm. environment. Tell me about the support systems that you may or may not have, right? Like, tell me about how, your nutrition. Are you eating? You are you yeah. uh, drinking yeah. water? Are you doing yeah. all the things? Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you taking care of your body? Are you taking care of your mind? Right. Like, what does that look like? Right. And so, so it's this assumption that in all those years that went by, Nothing in the trajectory of your life changed. Therefore, you're going to have the same exact symptoms that you did after having your first child, let yes. alone like uh, hormones won't change at all. Everything's going to be no. the same, Terry. Everything. Yes. So, so let's oh, be or worse, or, or worse, worse. Right. you know, they're, worse. they're really, and to be fair, you know, oh, we just Woo, lost, I light. lost the light. Hang on. <laughs> Jen Hang went on, dark. Jen went dark. Oh, hey, there she is. I'm okay. good. Okay. <laughs> I think your mic hit your, uh, outlet or something. I don't Probably. Know. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be <laughs> fair, I mean, I don't know that she was equipped to give me any other resources, right? I mean, I still think postpartum depression is kind of a untapped area. We don't really know mm-hmm. what to do with you. Um, yes. It is hormonal, clearly, you know, and sleep deprivation, a whole host of things, yes. you know, going yes. on. So I don't think that, especially back then, that the resources were 
yes. there. And even postpartum depression was just kind of scary because you only heard those horrific stories on television, you know, right. on the news and things like that. So right. the worst thing, and then I'm sharing, you know, I was hiding knives, you right. know, like, oh no, this is going to be another news story. We got to chemically uh, sedate her staff. <laughs> to sedate her so that she doesn't, <laughs> exactly. you know, go crazy on her baby. Yes. But that That is, it's such a real thing though. And, and mm-hmm. I know, I mean, for you and I working in, in the prison system for as many mm-hmm. years as we did, right. Um, you know, working with the, the male population, but then myself working with the female population, yes. there were so many women that were in, in prison, um, for doing harm to their children. Yes. Um, many times, um, within that first like couple years of the children's lives, right. Cause there's this misnomer that, oh, well, this is just going to pop right after you have these kids. Right. And it's the first right. three months where you're going to be crazy. When in reality, it's not actually that way, right? Hormones shift like crazy for yes. quite some time, right? After you have a child. And these many of the women, though, that that um, were in the prison system with me that I was seeing as their therapist, they they were they were in in prison for these types of things happening. And their stories, Terry, were so similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And they started being kind of proactive. And I'd have these thoughts, but I don't want to act on them. Right? right. And so I would, I would start to resource myself, put things away, protect myself. Um, even the idea of, of being so overwhelmed and thinking about doing something harmful to your baby, even without something sharp, right? Like picking your right. child up and, and un- unable to care for your child. And, and right. whether it's you set them down too quick, they have, sh- they shook their babies, all these, these things that occurred, many of them, their stories were so similar mm-hmm. and that they didn't have, they weren't protected. They didn't have those protective factors, right? Like they were home alone. It was just them. They didn't have anybody with them that they they could share, you know, like, oh, hey, I need a timeout, right? right? Or a spouse or even a significant other that they could actually kind of talk to about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those that, that what you just said, I think there's many people, you know, whether there was harm done or not in that space that go, I 100% know what that yeah. feels like. Those many intrusive of them, yeah, thoughts, like those intrusive yeah. thoughts are real and so real. scary. And yes. just for the record, there was no harm done. <laughs> She's a very well adapted, you know, almost 30 year old at this point. But well, that's good because, you know, they're clear, clear, make that clear for our listeners. Nobody needs to call anyone. It's fine. Right, right, right. But, you know, it's funny because those those times happened during my most vulnerable, usually evening, you know, like Mm -hmm. when the sun goes down and you're worried about sleep and, you know, all that stuff. So but that's that's how that happened. And so. I'm pretty sure I was prescribed in the early, it may, it may have been the last month of the second trimester, very early first, tri, uh, third trimester, okay. um, which we should do a whole episode on this because um, now knowing the research that I know and the troubles that my son had had during school with learning and memory and all of that, I 100% believe yep. That that is part of it. Um, he was also born with an ear defect. Like, so there's all of these things, and not to freak everyone out, but again, that was early. None of that was being um, shared, and and they don't research on pregnant women, you know, and they didn't back then. And I, either. you know what, I think it's fair to talk about because I don't. That is still, still not something that really nobody talks discussed. about it. It is yep. not okay, and so so. Mm-hmm. I am our our ages. We have an age difference right here, and so yeah. my you know my littles. Um, that was not a discussion ten years ago when I had my children. That was had with me yeah. on the implications that could happen should you remain on this medication. That's still not a discussion. Yeah, and it's so my not- son, when I was pregnant, he is twenty two now. So to put that into some context, you know, it's still not discussed. It wasn't discussed in the office. There was nothing about you know, what are potential risks, you know, to the infant? None of that. I was, was told there were none. Oh, I that's was flat out yeah. told there were none. Cause I Jen, remember- don't, don't drink dark soda or, oh, yep. you know, tuna yep. fish, but, yep. but yep. you can take this, but this is a whole, I want to, I want to preserve that conversation. Cause I think we can mm-hmm. have a really good one on a different episode yep. um, and share some research there. But mm-hmm. uh, what happened was, is that 
this started a trajectory of me being on it, I think for five years or something like that. Um, but the, the commonality that you and I have, I, I do not remember much about my son's early days or even years of life. And I do remember being very drawn down and flat and there wasn't much excitement during that time. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I understand that that antidepressant preventative made me depressed. I am, I am 100% certain that that's what happened because I went in and it was a preventative, right? Right. Which means I wasn't depressed and I wasn't postpartumly depressed and I wasn't any of those things, but I certainly, it certainly impacted my neurotransmitters in a negative way for years and I couldn't get off of it. You know, that's why I stayed on it for that long. Yep. You know, and I wasn't postpartumly depressed. This is, you know, that's the thing. Like I was prescribed for a particular thing that should have only lasted a little while yeah. and just, you know, I'd go back mm-hmm. in and get the refill over and over and over again, you know, or I'd try to stop and then I'd stop for a day or two. And then I'd literally be, I'd stop every time like I needed a refill and I'd be like, this is the time I'm not going to yes. do it. I'm not going to yes. get it refilled. And then I'd be driving and be like, I got to get it because uh-huh. I feel so yep. terrible. Like, oh yep. my God. Mm-hmm. Like it was horrible. I felt like a junkie, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it was, it was terrible. Well, was- and that's what you were, I mean, label it what you want, but you're, you're going through withdrawal, right? And so oh, yeah. whether, whether, whether you're on heroin or you're taking a, a, a SSRI that's mandated yeah. and legal by the government, your brain and body were going through we're withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Does, you know, we could, I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, people don't like it when we use that word withdrawal. Right. Um, sometimes well, the yeah, yeah, social media community, they get real <laughs> mad at me when I say it is, it's withdrawal. That's what's yes. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to call it any other fancy names or things that fluff You know, up. when your neurotransmitter yeah. is flooded with serotonin or dopamine, whether it's a street drug or this drug, you know, eventually your receptors decide to shut off. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you take, then you take the drug away and those receptors are still shut off. So that it's not getting into your neuron anymore. Like, so I I usually, I think I've said this to you too. It's like a sleepy neuron, you know, but it's the same thing. It's the same mechanism of action as a street drug. You know, people are going to hate that we said that, but let's just call it what it is. is. I'm I'm tired of, you know, sidestepping around these hard conversations just to make people feel good. Well, and that's, that's just how we got here. (laughs) That's how we got here. And that's that word withdrawal is associated with what it's associated with addiction. It's associated with a a street drugs, bad people, you know, all this stuff. Like that's, that's what it is. I I think that word goes with that. And then people go, Nope. Okay. We got to call it something else then because that's Mm -hmm. too harsh. Well, Okay. <laughs> so let's, if you're listening to this and you're just kind of like, whoa, this is, get a little irritated about it because it is. And that's okay. Um, because that's that, again, that's, that's, that's our truth and where we're coming from with this. Okay. So before we switch gears, Terry, I want to ask you then, within the spirit of what we're talking about, then you made a comment about these effects that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And kind of being, um, like withdrawn, everything was flat, like many years, even memory was forgot. How did that uh, impact like relationships that you had, like with, with your significant other? Yeah. So I've been giving this some thought since we knew that this was going to be the topic. And I remember, I remember a couple of different things. So the story is a little bit long, but I'll, I'll share it because I think it's relevant Um, to get pregnant with my son was, um, we had to have some medical intervention. So during that time, my husband and I were having lots of sex, right? Lots and lots of sex just for the, (laughs) to get knocked off. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were doing that a lot. And I remember a conversation with him. He, said to me, because he's not very direct. And this was many years ago, 22 years ago, right? Um, <laughs> he was less direct then than he is now. With uh-huh. me, but, you know, he's had to um, adapt. He, he made a comment and he said something like, I sure wish it was like when we were trying to get pregnant. And I brushed it off, you know, and I thought mm-hmm. to myself, and I remember defending myself and I was like, well, we were trying to get, like, we were doing this. And the only reason you had that much sex was because of this one thing that we were doing. Like I was just blown up, right? Like, 
because <laughs> it made me feel like it was a me problem, right? Like this yeah. is this I, there's something wrong with me, which there was, there clearly mm-hmm. was. And you know, when you don't have like I don't know, emotion, I was very flat. I remember just being very flat, just kind of skating by my life, you know, doing yeah. the things, doing all the things I should be doing, emotionless. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Irritability and anger, I remember I did have that, you know. I just don't remember a lot of happiness and joy and things like that. I remember feeling extremely disconnected to everyone and everything, and that included him, you know. Um, And I know that he felt that. mm -hmm. It was also a time in our relationship, quite literally a few years after that, that um, I'll share the story to everyone, that our life kind of went kaboom, you know, all around us. So we had very a lot of stress, too, on top of that. But yeah. I do also remember during that time, I went to another doctor oh, and I, I was complaining that I was fatigued and all of this. And I remember that doctor saying, um, well, you're a mom of three. So wouldn't you expect that? Instead of, again, getting curious, well, you know, this medication could be flattening you out. You right. know, it could be causing you to to not feel and be neutral and all those things. So I do know that, and it was so long ago, it's hard to remember too, but Mm -hmm. I do know that it impacted my ability to connect with my husband and my ability to want to have sex with him. I clearly recall having sex with him as kind of a, I don't know, an act that I needed to do, you know, because I knew he he wanted it, right? Like he wanted it. Now everyone's going to come after me for that statement, but it's quite normal for a couple to be having sex. Like that is a normal, t- that's the only thing that differentiates us from a friendship, by the way. Right. <laughs> you know? Pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. Pretty much, you know, yeah. so I don't, yeah. fault, I don't fault him for wanting to be a sexual human being. It's part of Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. My God, you know, so I don't fault him for that. I just didn't have the drive. Like I had yeah. none of the drive, yes. which then means you don't have the desire, which means literally it doesn't cross your conscious awareness no. until it's brought up, you know, yep. until it's brought up in some way. So that's, right. you know, that's what was happening then. And I just, you know, overall, I just felt very disconnected to myself, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And if you're not connected to yourself, that you can't be sexually intimate connected in that way to your right. partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I, I do remember often thinking that, are we going to make it, you know, are we going to make yes. it during this time? So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think about, um, my, you know, my, my mom who was so very, very blunt and she, she would always say to me, <laughs> like, you could stop having sex, Jennifer. Right. And your marriage is going to fall apart. And she yeah, she's probably not wrong. She's not entirely and, wrong. You know, and I was kind of just like, you know, that is really abrasive, mother, right? Like, but but the spirit behind what she's saying though is is mm-hmm. so real, uh, because like like you as well, I struggled with some of these same things, and and for years that was my story. And she was like, listen, you have to find a way to bring this in, and because if you don't, you're really you guys aren't going to make it because of how important this is. And so I, again. Jumping on my story a bit, a little ahead though, it was like, well, this must be a me issue. So I need to take the steps, right? Like we had this running joke. She's like, go in the kitchen, get a shot, take a shot of vodka, and go have sex, right? And I'm like, mother, right? Because and her, I'm her lubricate myself know, a little right, bit before I right, do this. Like, yes, she's like, because because for her it was like, you know, there might be there's an inhibition. Get that rocking because you got to do something. Because if you don't do something, right, this is going to be a problem. And yet I always thought it was me right? Like mm-hmm. I am the problem. Um, yeah. and, and so and one thing I need to just say to people yeah. too, it's not just libido that becomes the issue. Yep. It's also sensitivity, oh you know, inability That's... to orgasm. It just doesn't feel good. You know, all of that, like all that sensation is very much taken away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, SSRIs or SNRIs, you know, they call them the happy pills or whatever. And I'm like, they're really the neutrality pills. Like they're just going to make you very neutral. And that also means to pleasurable sensation. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I do remember that. That was always a, a troublesome. Yes. Same, same here. Um, and I was actually thinking when you were talking, you know, um, so, so, so my drug of choice was Lexapro. <laughs> um, let's talk about this right now. Um, still is, uh, 
still is after 20 we're years. Getting there. We're, getting <laughs> we're, get, there. we're getting there. Yes. It's going to take a couple of years to get off this, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm, I've already jumped on this train because um, it's important. Um, and that's my truth. Right. And when I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about um, side effects of, of Lexapro, right. Which is an SSRI, right. And the, for men and women, um, one of the first things that pops, um, not only from research, but but even when you're just 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 generally googling and perusing, right? Mm-hmm. You look up the side effects of this, and the the first things that pop up are reduced uh, sex drive. Okay, um, for men, there is a the inability or delayed ejaculation. That's yep. a very real side effect for this med for them. Um, erectile dysfunction. So of course, you know, like it's a you problem. So we will put a pill on that, right? For women yeah. that reduced sexual desire, that mm-hmm. is probably about 15 years, 14 years of my life. And I will, when we're talking about this topic, I too, like you reflected back to the beginning. Um, yeah. So for me, I was 18 or 19 years old and it's very foggy. Um my most precious memories um, are, are lost. I, I don't the really. the thing that hurts the worst. It's, that so, is the it's, thing it's that hurts like the worst. like a whole nother episode of, of that. Like it, it, it hurts the worst. Uh, mm-hmm. It does because the first one I think of is my daughter. My kids are, you know, um, 12 and 10. And having her was very foggy. Um, if there weren't pictures, I, I and, 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 you know, all the lovely physical things that happened for the rest of my life and still are here 12 years later, uh, <laughs> uh, I would, I'd be like, did I do this? Did I go through this? Yeah. Was that really it, me? It, yeah. Was it me? Because, um, so, th- so that's the hardest part, right? So, but I go, go back and yeah, I was 18, went in for, um, was depressed because some asshole broke up with me in high school and, yeah, imagine I, that. Are you still with that asshole? Or is yeah, that, that no, the new? Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. Did you realize it's been like 22 years and I'm not with him anymore, but I'm still taking Where is he? Bed? Maybe we should give oh, him a shout out. Because that- oh my God. <laughs> Seriously. And it, it was, it, it was, it was senior year, high school, maybe freshman year of college. It's, it is foggy mm-hmm. for me. Right. Um, but I do recall that event that triggered things for me and I was not well, I was super depressed. My mood was down. Right. And so kind of like you, um, I went in for, um, I had to have a pap done and I went in and talked to my OB and I said, listen, this is what's going on. I'm struggling. And so the, the, the prescription for this was, was Lexapro. And so fast forward here, 22 years later, that was the start. And each year I would go in and, um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes go up and down depending upon, well, Jen, you know yourself best. So you might, you, maybe you can go down in the summers, but we'll go back up a little bit in the winter months, right? Because there was that component to it. And so for years and years, the, the, the check-in was a check-in. Um, it was definitely your average seven and a half minute, uh, meeting with my doctor, uh, which is sing your average meeting. Like, yep. Sing- yep. Oh, that's, how, are you yep. how are you? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's so true. Like that's your mm-hmm. average um, patient doctor appointment in the United States is seven and a half minutes. Right. So that's what it was. We do our thing is business. Yep. I'm good or I'm not good. Okay. I'll up it a little. No, we'll down a little, but it was never, I, it was never, there was never any other options. And I wasn't curious enough at that point. What was explained to me was Jen, you're, you're probably not to be on this and stay on this because it's helping you. Look, you're you're not depressed anymore. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, at that point, I had already gotten over that, finished two college degrees, been with the right. same person for twelve years, uh, right. planning a wedding. Right? Like, you know, things happen. Nobody ever explained to you that situational things are situational for a reason. Right. Yeah. Right. And right. nobody ever explained to you. Like, I think it would be a different story if they're like, you know, here's this, here's this medication. Just so you know, I don't know how to help you get off of it. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then and it'd be like, was, what? You that know? exactly. Because so, I, so, I think uh, that's the reality. I don't yeah, know how to is. help you get off of it. It's not yes. a, well, it is just so you know, you're going to be on this forever. It needs to be followed up with because I don't know how to help you get off of it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, Terry, I have to tell you, I am just getting really sick of how my antidepressants have impacted my sex life. I have no libido. The sex drive is not there. 
I totally understand because mine was menopause and it really just kicked my ass when it came to personal lubricant and having trouble in the bedroom. So have you ever thought about getting your hands on some lube? We have lube in the house. It's not like we don't, but the lube does not come from anywhere other than my husband tripping it to the store, buying some random lube he found on the shelf and bringing it back to the house. It's time that you empower yourself to buy lube that you need and a lube for women made by women. Ah, that's a thing, huh? That is a thing. My friends over at Hello Playground, including Christina Aguilera, will give you the hookup. I would love the hookup, the Christina hookup. Exactly. So this is my favorite lubrication product, and you can get a discount located in my show notes. Excellent. Yes, you know. Yeah, and I and I and I took that at face value. I took the information that I was given at at face value thinking, you know what? I probably do need to be on this forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, look how much better I'm doing. It's done its job. It's still doing its job. Now, then we bring in the side effects, which are the things that I ignored. And I, oh, I yeah. ignored them. I ignored them for many reasons, right? So, when you were talking about relationships, right? I think back to um my lack of sex drive, okay, um, difficulty achieving an orgasm. Let's talk about that because that is also one of those side effects that's listed under the um, sexual side effects for women. That is like the one of the third more popular ones, okay? Yeah, I think it's um, called, they call it anorgasmia. Is that what they're yes, called? Yes, yep. that is mm-hmm. anorgasmia. And I remember meeting with my physician a couple times and saying to her, I don't know what to do because I have no sex drive. And when we do have sex, um, it's really, for me to orgasm is something that um, it never used to be a problem. Like what is happening, right? And so the solution for that was a discussion about, well, Jen, then you know what? Maybe you guys need to see a sex therapist, right? Um, you know, and I, re- I remember not your physiology going, might be changing because right. of this medication. Yeah, right, right. No. And so, and so there was that piece, right? And so, when you say, when you when you say maybe it's your pro- like you you're made to think it's you're the problem. That was the story of it all. And let me tell you, for my husband and I, um, boy, did this impact marriage. Um, trying to have children, um, was very difficult. Um, especially the, the first time around, uh, was, was a couple years worth of that. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's get this yeah. over with all the drugs, all I the things. I could tell some stories cause you told me some stories oh, about that. If right. Daddy ever wants to know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And there you were right. When I was trying to conceive this, this child as my mentor, right. 15 years ago, there you are. I By the way, I told my husband that story and he, he still is, is that Jen from the story of the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, and he's like, yes. all right. <laughs> and, and it was just so right. So here I was already there going, okay, like, what do I do? How do I fix this? What's wrong with me? Right. Like couldn't even, couldn't get pregnant and all these, all these pieces. Right. I look back and I'm like, what, what if, what just if I got a little more curious about this idea that I've been taking this medication Mm-hmm. why did that never dawn on me? Or did, did someone not say, Jen, you know, maybe, maybe it's not a you thing. You don't need to put another intervention on all this. You need to actually, we need to deprescribe this. We need to Take pull this intervention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because guess what? Life is better. You've got somebody you're with. You're trying to have a family. You're, you're married. You're in school. You're doing all the things, but it, it was never, a, never an option. And so the impacts on that, right, to, to not, not want to have sex at all, except for like trying to have a child because it was like, well, this is a job. It's a duty. That actually felt more comfortable doing that yes, as a robot for me. Okay. I'm going to say yes. this and it's going to sound so backwards, but if anybody listening understands. There was this, a goal. Like, You're goal centered. Mm-hmm. I was goal centered. I knew exactly what I needed to do is to get pregnant. So that, that repeated trying constantly right all the time. There for me, it was there was nothing to it, but for some reason that made sense. I didn't have to orgasm doing that because I'm just trying to get pregnant. Right. And and so it was kind of the shift for me came when I realized this and I started to do other things. And even now, here I am going titrating down off this medication mm-hmm. after almost 20 years. And I'm feeling things now I didn't before. And it's unbelievable. But I was, I felt comfortable doing that, which sounds so backwards, but I had no drive. Well, I, I feel anything. 
Nothing's I want to okay. extend I want to extend this conversation a little bit because right now it feels like, especially for older women, I I, I the same stuff happens in the menopausal communities, right? No right. libido, no all this. It's hormonal. Right. And there's arguments that are happening all the time. Like, well, if your man wants sex and you don't want to have sex, that's a him problem. And you need to kick him to the curb and he needs to understand and all this stuff. And it's like, God dang it. I didn't even understand. Like right. I, I didn't understand. I knew that it was something that we probably should be doing, you know? Right. Um, but I just, it was, there was nothing there. There was just nothing mm -hmm. there. Right. And it wasn't my husband. And I don't know about you, but I remember looking at him sometimes going, why am I here? Like what? I know. Like what? Oh, like, I, I recall this. I remember it's like, I wonder what's on Jay Leno right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about random things during the day. Like there is a piece of the puzzle missing when you mm -hmm. go into a sexual encounter with someone you love and care about more than anything, right? That the, the strongest knit relationship you can have with somebody and you are so far removed from that. Yeah. So far removed. Um, that, that, that's really the, the hard piece in that when we, we talk about being chemically castrated, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Like that is this, this story. Um, and of course, then the impacts on our marriage. And how and what that then plays and the role that that then played in our ability to connect, to to have that intimacy. And we step, we just we got farther and farther and farther and farther apart because yeah. we didn't have that. Um, but it was a me problem, right? Well, like I said, that's it's sex is the only difference that differentiates you from your neighbor or your friend. Mm -hmm. Right. Is sex, right? Having a, yes. a strong sexual connection, a connection yes. period. And when you can't connect to yourself. You're, or anyone else, you know, you're, you're losing something extremely valuable in life satisfaction, happiness right. and things like right. that. And again, when I look at women, I mean, they're the most prescribed uh, women, 45 plus are the most prescribed, mm -hmm. um, antidepressants for, um, hormones when it should be a hormonal problem, excuse me. And also if you think about the rates of divorce, the rates of divorce are sky high in the silver community, which is mm -hmm. 55 plus. plus and yeah. I've thought about this a million times. I'm like, <laughs> is there a correlation here? Like, or a causation even, you know, like right, right. what is going on? What is the right. reason for this? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, as you were talking and I, and I know we have some stuff for, for those that are watching and listening, right. That we're going to, we're going to show, um, that is very fascinating, right? When you, I, you know, sometimes you have these memories that pop back when someone says something right and it triggers something. You know, part of the story that just came to me is I remember going to all of those intimacy, like sex toy parties. Okay. Oh, I don't know if you ever, pure romance. Ever went, pure yeah, romance. Pure I had a really good friend yes. who was a consultant, right? And so there was multiple times where I'd go to these parties, right? And I remember feeling really like isolated in the parties because one, none of these things were exciting to me at all. Like I remember almost faking excitement because people genuinely were like, I've used this, I've tried this. And not only does it enhance this, but it does this. And I just remember sitting there and like, okay, I tried all the things, right? And I would purchase products, okay? In the hopes, like praying that this would help stimulate something for me to help this, this experience not be so boring neutral. Yes. Blah. Like I, I just remember, and I spent so much money on that, trying to achieve what I was seeing happen in front of me with this excitement with all these other people. And, and I just, I just would buy it and just hope it would hope it would hope it would hope it. No, no. no. You because know, physiologically you, it couldn't. You it, were... it, could, it could not. Mm -hmm. So talk about Lots of money on that too. Like, let alone taking away my like self-esteem. Just wait till you're off problem. the Lex. Well, just wait till you're off the Lexapro Ooh. and you can use all those things again, right? Uh, yeah, no, some of those are pretty archaic. I got right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been around funny. a while. I think I gave I, you know, I gave get some, some of stuff. that up. Right. I know. I might need to get some new things, actually, which I know we've, you know, we've got some people now that might help me help me in that arena. So that's gonna be a good thing because we got some, we got some people. But I, I need <laughs> that. That stuff though, like that. you cannot be the only person 
that was thinking like that, you know, even at that party, you couldn't have been the only one you were paying attention to the other people going kind of, I want what she's got, you know, I want that desire because what is it, you know, life is about desire and pleasure and all these things. And we're literally taking it away and Mm -hmm. acting like it doesn't matter. Like, right. Again, this is one of those conversations. Well, would you rather have sex and not be depressed? Yes. I'm like, I don't know. I think I might be depressed because yeah. I'm not having sex. I don't know. You know, it, 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 exactly. Would you, would you rather stay on this med? Right. Cause I had two pregnancies, mm-hmm. two children on this medication. Well, Jen, would you rather stay on this and, and, and be doing okay and keep your mental health stable or go off and not do well with your children and in risk, like what could happen with oh, your the mom mood after guilt. you have, Oh, the mom. And guilt I, I remember helpful. that conversation because mm-hmm. the first, the, the, the first child, I remember saying to my doctor, I said, you know, I, I know I've been on this a long time, but I'm wondering like if I should get off of this because you know, I'm, we're trying to have a child and, 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 and for as foggy as my memory is, there's definitely recollection of a vague conversation of this won't hurt your child, Jen, this is not going to hurt your child. In fact, imagine what would happen if you weren't on that. Like, how could you, what would happen to you? And I preached that for many years as a naive clinician. And I know in our first episode, we talked about perpetuating things that we didn't even realize. Right. Um, but I did because that made sense in my brain at the time before I really started thinking about this. And now you look at the research on this. Oh my and, gosh. And it's like, okay, this would really have been good to get off of this. And yet, and my, my, all the things my kids have, right. Same as yours. And mm-hmm. I wonder now, can I say correlation equals causation and just say, Nope, there's nothing else that impacted this. I cannot. However, the idea of getting curious about this and figuring yes. more out is what our goal is with like uh, listening, people listening all right now it. and watching this, all right. Mm-hmm. All the above. Um, ask the questions, start to t- start to get curious. Well, it makes me curious. And again, we'll talk about this deeper in a different um, episode, but it makes me curious all the kids that we have now that have all these problems learning, you know, um, ADHD, all the things, learning problems, language mm-hmm. issues, and mm-hmm. the rise of antidepressant use in pregnancy. Like, I feel like I can't be that far off the mark when I... Right when I'm looking at this just because of the rates of prescription and things like that. But we'll, we can dive into that in a different episode. Yeah, we're going to have to, that's a whole, that's a, that's a whole other one. Yes. But for this one, I, I wanted, so the, the topic of, you know, is anti, are antidepressants ruining your relationship? This is really timely. And this happened completely coincidentally a research article was just released, I think, February 4th or something. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, the 12th. It just came out. And yes. I just found it today. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. It is here. And it is insane. Timing. It's insane timing. Impeccable. Yes. It's impeccable. It is impeccable. And so if you're on our YouTube channel, which I suggest you also do that if you get a chance, because we're going to be sharing some of the research on the screen as we talk. So if you want to see the research, um, watch us on YouTube. But I'm going to go ahead and share that right now because yeah. this is pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the um, the the charts of the uh, research that they that they found. So the the first two lines here that you see that spike really high are the um, antidepressant users. Um, I think I'm going to get this wrong. The first two are, hold on. You just scroll away there. We have technology. No, I'm sorry. They are, they are antidepressant users, all of them, but these, the top two got divorces. Is that right? I feel like I'm not saying that right. I'm scrolling so I can look at it. Hold on a minute. I had it all in my mind exactly what I was going to say about this, and I lost the whole damn thing. Uh, let's see. They plotted antidepressant medication in three-month intervals for divorced and continuously married men and women. Um, so the divorce group is the top two, and the, mm-hmm. the ones that were not divorced are the bottom two lines, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yes. So here we go. See, I was okay when I was thinking that. I'm like, geez, I'm stop second guessing myself. I know I got to stop second guessing myself, but yes. Um, anyway, so you can see that women, this the spike first year, Mm -hmm. first three years before they got divorced, was a huge spike in antidepressant use, as well as men. So a, a 
the spike is huge. Like you can like, holy crap. If you're looking at this thing, it looks like a mountainside. Okay. It goes straight up. And this is the question that I have, you know, because there's a lot of different ways that you could interpret this and they didn't really go into a deep dive here. Um, after, after the, they got a divorce, the rates of antidepressant use in men dropped significantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the divorce happened and the men were like, screw this. I'm out of (laughs) here. Yeah. And the women actually, it dropped a little, right. And then kind of remained stable of use of antidepressants. Um, so what, what were some of the first things that you thought of when you saw this graph? Well, so the first thing I, the first question, I guess, that came to my mind was, I wonder what precipitated the drop. You know, what? there's oh, that divorce. Men? Um, oh, after the divorce? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that was one of the first, one of the first things I thought about of, of a few was, so, so you have that divorce rate line, right? And then, and then there's this yeah. drop when it's done. So I wonder what what precipitated that. Like for for me, I was curious on that. Um, I don't know about but what do you think about that. But I well, I wondered what precipitated the divorce. Like so 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 that was that was my second one then. Yeah. So I looked mm-hmm. at that. I think because that drop was interesting to me, and I was kind of like, huh. I, I wonder what that could be. Ca- what's what's causing that? But yes. Then I went back to to the 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 other half, the left half of that divorce rate line, and went look at those numbers spike. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then a divorce happens. And so is there, is there a correlation between medication use and all of those, that ripple effect that happens right within relationships, within the self, right? When you're taking those antidepressants Mm -hmm. and then a divorce rate, because I could tell you for myself, I was so disconnected in yes. my marriage and not only like in the sexual world of my marriage, but even to have an intimate conversation. Yes. Like, well, and I also remember not, not having an awareness of what was really going on with me. So yeah. at that time, you know, it was very much a, it's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's problem. It's my husband. I just don't like him anymore. Like I don't, I'm not Mm -hmm. attracted to him in that way. You know, all of those things um, based on antidepressant use. So I'm thinking like that huge climb up the mountain, you know, if those people are feeling similarly, of course, there's going to be a big proportion of them that are actually going to file for divorce. Now it would be interesting to see is if after they stop taking the antidepressants, if they regretted that at all. That's exactly you know? where I was going. That's mm-hmm. what I was kind of, that's the piece that I wanted. I'm like, I wonder what happens after, after. the divorce and when it drops. I really truly yes. wonder. And you just said something so imperative. You you are you are really shit. You are smart today, Dr. Terrellin. Okay, you want to know it's why? Late. <laughs> you, it is late and you are still like nailing this. Oh, okay. But I'm okay. What I think is imp- important repeat can you repeat what you just said oh my gosh it's like there and it slipped um oh, you just said something and i lost it oh no oh it went it's see, this, hard see i say so much oh, it's hard gosh, for me to immediately recall what i say you're constantly uh, blowing these big fireworks at me and i'm like oh my god write that down was it um, the no. leading up to divorce or was it the after divorce um, it, it, it was before the divorce leading up to, to the divorce. You just said something and it placed me in such a space <laughs> about what it feels like when you're disconnected, when you're disconnected, when you're not there intimately with someone, um, lack of oh, self-awareness, oh, blaming others. No, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. no, I got it. Okay. So this whole, how many times have you heard a, and I'm going to say women just because for me, this sure. is where, how many times in particular have you heard a woman say, listen, this is what happens in marriage. You lose your sex drive. You're not attracted to them anymore. This is par for the course. How many okay. times have you heard people say that? All right. So you might, the listeners may or may not know that I've worked with couples for a long time and a lot, a lot of couples, especially older couples, older meaning 45 plus, we'll say, okay? Yeah. Not that that's old, but they've usually been together for a while, right? Yeah. 
a big problem is lack of sex, period. Okay. So sex, sexless marriages. Yeah. So men in particular, a lot of them will come in and they want to learn how to accept a sexless marriage. And again, I'm like, so you want to learn how to <laughs> accept no pleasure, right? Accept no, you know, sexuality at all in your relationship and just be platonic friends, right? You want to learn yes. how to accept that. Yeah, roommates, roommates. Right. Because your your wife is doesn't have a libido for whatever reason that is, like whether it's an right. antidepressant or, you know, hormonal imbalance or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so you want to come in here and learn how to accept that. I mean, how very, you know, I mean, it's valid because you love your wife. But on the other hand, that tells me that you are suffering um, because right. of lack of anything sexual mm -hmm. in your relationship, you know, mm -hmm. so I there you go. Except, except that this is how it is, right? Like I've heard so many women say mm -hmm. that to me too. Well, and because they, women hold the key often to the yes. sex in the relationship. And if the women yes. lock the door, then men are left mm -hmm. on the outside. And mm -hmm. that's just the way that it is. And for some women, it's not a control thing. For other women, it absolutely is a control right. thing. You know, right. um, some women don't even know they're doing it. You know, that's, mm -hmm. again, that's that lack of awareness. But when I have couples come in and they are five, 10, 15 years of no sex in their relationship, um, I, it's hard, you know, it's tough because their pleasure center is also being denied, right? Correct. So, and the, and the woman doesn't even realize it because again, when you're on these antidepressants, you don't even have that stream of consciousness that says, hey, I'm a sexual human being and I deserve pleasure and all these things. It's gone. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And there is a ripple effect here that it, it's almost, oh, you guys aren't going to like this. It's almost being selfish, right? Like, because we are also part of a relationship. A relationship is more than one person. So right. we are completely denying the impact that our husbands or wives or whatever, the impact to them as a human is denied. Um, because my experience is the only valid experience and I right. don't have a sex drive and you shame on you for having one, you know, right. like yes. you're just a man trying to, you know, get yes. his rocks off or whatever, you know, yes. at my expense, mind you, because I don't have a sex drive. Right. right. So, right. And know, that's I mean, very controversial, like mm -hmm. way to view that. Right. But yet wh why are we not looking at it that way? Because again, I, I say, I say this again, like that popped in my brain when you said that, how many women have said that to me? Mm -hmm. um, well, this is just the way it is. Um, this is how it goes in marriage. And over time you lose that, you lose that drive, you lose that sexuality. Okay. But why, like, mm -hmm. why does that have to be the way it is? And so then when you get a little bit more inquisitive, and again, I'm not throwing some big, crazy research out here right now, but for those that I know well that have said that to me, um, many of those individuals have been on psychiatric medications yes. for a very long time, um, mm -hmm. one or the other. And so mm -hmm. that is that matters when we're trying to get a lot of this. It, yes. it does. And it, it matters. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so which, that, is why, which is why I thought, you know, this in this research article that we were looking at, they didn't have anyways, I didn't see it. I didn't look at it in, in huge detail, but they didn't have like a follow up, like follow up studies. And I'm just like, why didn't they do mm -hmm. like life satisfaction surveys and stuff on these people like mm -hmm. to see if that played a role in these high divorce rates, you know, right. Or, right. um, you know, sexuality, like, were you having sex? Were you not having sex? Do you have a sex desire? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Yeah. Nothing else was taken into account, which is fine. But that that's always difficult to glean the right information from, right. you know, because yep. we are whole human, blah, blah, yes. blah, you know. Yes. Um, but I just, I just think it's really fascinating how... I, I'm looking at my screen. How, that spike <laughs> is so um, phenomenal. You know, it's such a high drive in the first three years before a divorce happens divorce. that people are prescribed antidepressants. And there's going to be the side of people that go, well, they, they could finally divorce because they were no longer depressed and they're coming out of the fog of the depression of their relationship. So on that peak, that's when they divorced. And I just, you know, ask, 
or, you know, mm-hmm. or you, the, the antidepressant made you worse in your life, more irritable, more disconnected, yep. um, lacking the ability to connect or want to connect. Therefore, the divorce is, I'm just done with you. I'm done with all of this. I'm done with everything. So, because, you know, strikingly, and maybe it was because I was young, I don't know, but the lack of awareness I had about how I was impacting other people, like, again, having these conversations with you is so good because this (laughs) reflection, it's this reflection for me is... I haven't really dove into it a whole lot. So this makes me reflect a lot on how, you know, that time of my life did impact my husband. We're going to have some conversations tonight. I'll tell you. Oh, did impact him, you know, did impact him <laughs> in a negative way. I feel like I need yeah. to apologize. Oh, you know? I, I, <laughs> I have, I've apologized to, to my husband multiple times. And again, I know it's not coming from a, um, and it's, I'm not coming from a disempowered place when I say that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm actually coming from a very, very empowered space and being able to go, there are things that weren't my fault that yes. I know were not just me that led to this such a, a disconnect that we had. Yes. Um, and that feels so good to have that knowledge and to know that this is a piece of it. What's really cool is now starting to come off and slowly titrate down off of this for the months and the months and the months and the months that I have, right? And starting to notice feeling things that I didn't before. Talk about a huge freaking validation for myself and that this was not a me problem. Right. And it was not a him problem. You know, like there's, there's, there's way more to this story. And so I have, I've said, sorry, multiple times. Cause I said, this is, it, it feels good to have, I can say this and it's not cause it's a woe is me. It's cause I feel great knowing that this shit was not my, my fault. Well, think um, about how it, not just us, but other people, like how many years they reject their spouse because they've been chemically altered that yep. rejection was the only option you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I'm just, I just, I feel like more research needs to come out on this topic, yeah. um, particularly with antidepressants and psychiatric meds, because I, you know, they've been positioned as the, you know, end all be all for everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is what my husband always says, you can't get something for nothing. There is always um, a trade-off here somewhere. And yeah. so I just encourage everybody to think about that before they even begin, like you can't get something for nothing. If you are going through a breakup, that is situational. If you are going to have a child, that is, mine was situational as well. Preventative. Are you kidding me? Like it caused a lot more problems than it probably solved, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just think about stuff like that and developing a better sense of resiliency before we just hit the meds, you know, like, So you were 18, you were a resilient person in the first place. You could have gotten through it. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. I think back at it now, like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. Oh, I had, I was so resourced too, as compared to like, you know, uh, other individuals, right. I had so much support in Mm -hmm. so many different facets of life. Right. Um, but Hey, you know what? I couldn't be here talking about this too, because now I have this story in which I know my truth may not Mm -hmm. be the same as yours and not the same as every listener here. However, I'm going to venture to guess that there's a chunk of people out there that are in that same space. And perhaps you haven't gotten curious enough about the implications of, of just a simple SSRI, SNRI, some of the other, those other classes of drugs that, that have these effects to them. And how profoundly has this impacted your romantic relationships? Um, and I know we yeah, talked and if about- you, And if, hold no. on, I want to say this. And if your <laughs> response to that question, how deeply has this impacted your romantic relationship? If your response is something along the lines of, well, I don't care. I don't care about my romantic, then it has impacted your romantic relationship on yeah. levels that you're not even aware of because it has stripped you of that care. Okay. So that's yeah. just something to think about um, mm. over time. So, yes. That is so, preach, girl. 
Oh my God. It is late. I don't know how I can pull this out of my ass when it's this late. You you are, you're, you're pulling it out. It's probably, I think it's a good space though for us to, to do our wrap up. Right. And, and um, talk a little bit about how people can find us. Right. So we, we are the Gaslit Truth podcast and you can find myself and Dr. Terry doing our thing here um, on Instagram. We are also on YouTube. Um, you and now go Facebook. Ahead also Don't forget and, about Facebook. And and we've got a Facebook because now this, uh, let's see, technologically challenged millennial, by the way, can't Gen figure Xer. this crap out. Wow. <laughs> I am right? just like, there are too many things, too many things, but too you can things. find us on there too. Everything is easy. The Gaslit Truth podcast. Um, and then you can also find us anywhere that you're going to be listening to your podcasts, right? So you can hook us up anywhere there as well. And if you are so inclined, iTunes. Yep. Mm-hmm. yes, yes, iTunes, Spotify. And if you're so inclined, we also have an email for the good old email people because I still enjoy email, which is the Gaslit Truth podcast at gmail.com. Let's you see what bet. else. Let's see. Is that it? Oh, we we're both it individually on TikTok and Instagram. So those will all That's be linked true. in the show notes. You can find us individually there too as well. And we are just so grateful that you hung out with us today and you listened to us. And the moral of the story is get informed and get curious. Mm-hmm. That's right. Peace out. <laughs> Tired of being gaslit and want to deep throat some more truth? Follow us on Instagram and YouTube at the Gaslit Truth Podcast. Hit that subscribe button and get alerts for more episodes. And that's the truth.